Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking about Blue Broderick of Diners. We talk about Paul and Linda McCartney's album, Ram. We also talked about songwriting as an exercise and the compulsion to never stop. Diners released their new album, Four Wheels and the Truth, last year. They have copies on vinyl, so you can pick that up directly from them, or of course you can check it out wherever you stream music. Also, with how prolific Blue is, I have a feeling you won't have to wait too long for new Diners tunes. Okay, don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at spinningoutpod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, and reviews definitely help. Okay, let's chat with Blue. Hey, Blue, how's it going? Oh, it's going so, so good. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, well, we today are talking about Paul and Linda McCartney's album, Ram, that came out May 17, 1971 on Apple Records, and it's the second solo album by Paul McCartney. And what I'll ask is, when was the first time you heard this album or Paul McCartney? I know for sure the first time that I heard this album was on a road trip from Phoenix, Arizona to L.A. But but actually, you know what? I remember, uh, I'm just now remembering this. A few days before that, I had heard um, Long Haired Lady as somebody's, like, alarm. Like, <laughs> it, it was in 20, 2013, and, like, it was, it, it was, like, my partner's alarm like it went off on their phone and just i heard this well 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 and then just like that swell uh that that happens and i was like whoa that is wild and then a few days later they like played it in the car and i was like this is the best album ever so um yeah it was that it was that road trip couldn't get over it couldn't tell you so, the first time i heard paul mccartney though yeah Probably i think that's a harder one yeah um so okay, so with Sorry. long answer the Beatles, <laughs> with the Beatles though, I guess like going back uh, with it. So do you feel like Beatles were just like always in your life? Yeah, definitely. Beatles were always in my life, but I I'd say that uh, you know there were there were moments where I thought it was really uncool, like as a teenager. And mm-hmm. in high school, I, I kind of turned on them, even though like I liked it, like when I first started, um, you know, getting into music, like as a as like a tween, I, I remember being like kind of interested in like the more like psychedelic Beatles. And then I kind of turned on it because I was I, I got into like more punk music. Yeah. And then uh, uh, and then after high school, I just. Be- became like such a such a head so. yeah i feel like it's i mean i don't know it's probably still been like 10 years but i feel like it took me a long time to really come around and i feel like there was a point where i definitely was like 
a Beatles hater. <laughs> and like, you know, I, and I, I don't think it really meant anything more than just kind of like that. Yeah, I think like you were saying, it just didn't feel cool when I was younger. And also it just felt like the default was to like the Beatles. So as like a punk kid, it was like, well, I don't like the Beatles. Right. And I don't I don't think I thought about it that much. Well, I also think that like probably around the time that like I don't know how old you are, but I'm I'm 30 and I feel like the the when I I feel like when I was a teenager, like that was like the rise of like the target rock band Mm -hmm. t-shirt and maybe that was like a thing before but I feel like it really happened uh in like the 2000s like that's when target started like selling Beatles t-shirts and it was like it kind of felt like uh the image of like all you need is love was like what most people thought the Beatles were if like they didn't know if they didn't know anything about the Beatles, like they at least knew that T-shirt. I felt yeah. like, like I'm talking about like other teenagers that I was around. So it did feel uncool to have like that. All you need is love. Yeah. T-shirt I, I think, or something. I think a lot of what it was, was like, I was talking with my wife about it before we started recording. And it was like, I was like, did you, did your parents like listen to the Beatles growing up? Like, I don't think so. And I was like, yeah, my parents never listened to the Beatles growing up. Like, I heard it on what would have been, like, oldies radio, and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of impossible to, like, truly get away from the Beatles. I was aware. But I think, like, if I never had anyone telling me, like, hey, listen to this. <laughs> Understand what it is. And so there's things that I feel like when you talk about, like, the Target band shirt, I liked a lot of those bands that had oh, shirts in Target. Like, I had yeah. no problem with The Who, even though in hindsight, I'm like, that might be more embarrassing now. <laughs> Nowadays, with, like, all the CSIs and stuff, if I if I put it in the same way that I would have categorized it as a kid. But I was just like, Who, cool, and Rolling Stones, cool, but for some reason, Beatles just were there. Well, I also, yeah, I mean, definitely there was a period of time where anything that was remotely rock and roll, I was just on board with. Like when I first started picking up guitar, I was just like, I just loved the guitar. I was just like, my standard was if it has a guitar, I love it. But then, (laughs) but, and then like, and then I guess kind of like filtered things out from there. But, but yeah, I, I. I was thinking about this too because I or like you said your parents didn't play the Beatles. My parents really liked or my mom really liked the Beatles, but we I didn't I don't think we had like any Beatles CDs. Like maybe we had the the blue and red best of album like the double disc set. But or maybe we had like the number 1 compilation, which I remember mm-hmm. watching television and like on nickelodeon there was like ads for beatles number one like commercial like the commercial for it and i just remember thinking that they all looked very cool but i was also yeah. like 10 years old or something um, yeah all i can remember my stepmom listening to for most of my life was she really liked the practical magic soundtrack and she really liked shaggy uh, and I don't understand it. Like, this was not, like, 
a hip person, like, <laughs> you know, like, and, but really liked the uh, Wasn't Me song. Yeah. Uh, which was very confusing, like, being raised in, like, a really conservative, like, uh, like Pentecostal thing, but then every once in a while my stepmom would throw on Shaggy, and it was like, I don't, you know, I don't understand. So, like, it, uh-huh. it's like, so Beatles weren't, it's just they weren't in the home, but my dad also was, like, a guitar player who, like, Neil Young a lot, but like only like solo Neil Young, and okay. yeah, so it's it's just like there's so many holes, and it's like I remember having a Pink Floyd T-shirt, I had a Guns N' Roses T-shirt, but it's like I didn't have, so I don't know where I missed the Beatles, which sounds so silly. Well, I I feel like I don't really have all of the facts with this, but like. Wasn't there like a period of time where like the Beatles just weren't even on app like iTunes? Like I feel mm-hmm. like it took a long time to get the Beatles discography up on the internet. Like even on Spotify. Like I remember it uh I feel like there was like a period of time like years where they didn't have the Beatles on Spotify just cuz they didn't have all of the rights to put it up or something. Like I I I wish I knew any more information about you know i think that's right i mean i think a lot of the really huge like artists that were just like i don't know the biggest art we know all of them i mentioned them all with the t-shirts you know uh-huh. um and it's like i think up until not that long ago still probably within the last 10 years metallica didn't have like their music on spotify mm-hmm. and yeah. it was like a big thing and then you know like taylor swift even like you know it was like a big thing you know they're probably just like working out bigger deals in the back end and things you know right Uh, totally but yeah like the Beatles weren't it so I think what ends up when ended up happening by the time that I wanted to really reassess the Beatles I feel like it was kind of hard to get like in a sense of if one this on this day I go oh I want to listen to blank there was a period of time where I couldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. You know, like it would have been. And also I feel like the conversation is so default Beatles. There's almost then a, if no one's telling you to, it's if ever, if everyone assumes that you're just listening to the Beatles, like when you just are born, but no one is, then there are people, I guess like myself that just like didn't really do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's so strange. No, totally. You know what else was like a like I'm trying to think of like other Beatle introductions and I kind of feel like like a, like I was a big Simpsons fan and, mm, and yeah. on the Simpsons there's like like there were always like kind of Beatles references and I feel like that probably informed me more about the Beatles than most other things in, in some ways. Yeah, there yeah. was the what the vegetarian episode, uh, and the Paul B- and Linda, right? Oh are, my gosh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the yeah. Uh, B Sharps episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like, yeah. yeah, and there's so many like references and things. Like I don't know, like, yeah, well, for example, like I as a as like in in like middle school, I found like a cheap trick greatest hits, and like one of the first tracks on it was you know their cover like Magical Mystery Tour, and I think, too, what ended up happening is since I kind of forged my own relationship with, like, bands that were made because of the Beatles, when I went to the Beatles, it almost was like, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's it's kind of that thing where it's like when a kid 
like nowadays we're like oh the movie's boring and you're like what jaws was boring and you know but it's like you don't understand this is mm-hmm. where it all started i feel like people do that a lot with pink floyd and like mm-hmm. when someone's like you know pink floyd kind of sucks i'm like I, I can't really like debate it with you because it's sort of like it, when you're the person that drew the picture first someone can go back and go oh i'm gonna do this better i mean we could we could debate if it's like better or not but like you know it's like for me it was like heavy it was cheap trick was louder you oh, know t- so i was like yeah. oh i want that instead you know right totally yeah i mean that's you're so right yeah it's like everybody kind of built their sound off of where they left off in some ways like yeah i mean that that happens all of the time i'm also yeah. i also just want to say i'm a big pink floyd head and that is like one of the that was probably like one of the reasons why i didn't get into the beatles for a second was because i liked other i liked bands like pink floyd and i was like mm-hmm. oh well this is cooler it's like more <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like it's going where i want it to go and i don't think i just don't think i really cared about song songwriting pink i don't want to say that pink floyd doesn't they don't write good songs or, or like they're not considered songwriters but i don't think that i considered like the i don't think i considered pop songwriting as like something that i would have been interested in until later yeah so yeah definitely i think in a way i definitely would have thought of the beatles almost like in a way that anyone thinks of anything pop like pop in the sense of like i don't know madonna's such a dated reference i wish i could have come up with a better one but it's like it feels like whatever that kind of thing like i don't know i i feel like i'm not like anti-pop not to i I almost wanted to say it that way so i wasn't just saying a primus record uh (laughs) but like but like uh i feel like i'm like i'm cool with i'm cool with it now like it's like i like charlie xcx but as a kid i would have been like no pop music like it's Mm -hmm. like it's not where real songwriters you know happen so i think also in a way i was like you know uh that's not true rock and roll that was like made for for babies or something i don't i don't even know you know like but it felt like the image was like this larger than life thing that might as well have been i i don't even know like the biggest pop star that i can imagine like it wasn't even touchable yeah definitely it's yeah i i feel like they're they also just have such a big discography that to paint a picture of them is a bit confusing and i do kind of feel like everybody has their own idea of what they are which can get a little bit confusing because they have so many records and like i don't know there's like the whole i mean just the idea of like people being like oh well who's your favorite beetle is it paul is it john is it george is it ringo so everybody is like i feel like has these like different ways that they access that band yeah it's like astrology (laughs) yeah (laughs) definitely so yeah well who's your favorite beetle i have to go with paul i okay i definitely was like a big george guy for a long time i'm i am definitely i yeah i feel like the george records lately have been my favorite post Beatles albums like I Mm -hmm. I I feel like I only listened to Paul and John's solo stuff like 
forever and then i now i'm like realizing how much i love the george albums mm-hmm. um and so yeah they're, they're climbing up there but also just like george's songs and the beatles he just didn't really get so many songs but all of his songs that he had in the beatles for the most part are really cool so yeah i think for a long time like once i was it was kind of like my first time of being like oh no i kind of get it was when i really kind of i probably bought like all things must pass for like you know like five bucks or something Mm -hmm. and i was just like no i get it you know and i was like i'm all in george is my favorite beetle and i I think i would say it's something like all things must pass is like the best beatles record that never happened you know Mm -hmm. but it's like i don't i don't know if i believe that now but i feel like it's like there i mean it's an amazing record Mm-hmm. And you know, and I know we haven't even really started talking about the record that we're talking about today, right? But that's the hard thing with these, the four of them. Yeah, you know, it's like where do you start? I mean, I guess we could start with Paul. I feel like Paul was the one that I would kind of like low rate in a way, and I think my ranking now, <laughs> we have to do the rank the Beatles thing. Okay, cool. Is uh, George Paul. Ringo John. Wait, sorry. uh, George, Paul, Ringo John. Okay. Yeah. And I don't, and it's like, I feel like it's like I want to put Ringo third just because I feel like everyone would put him last. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you look at like probably like actually the quality of the work that they produced, it's like uh, Ringo is last, (laughs) if we're just being honest. Yeah. Oh, oh, totally. I mean, I think that, I think that vibe wise people are putting him first, but. Oh yeah, yeah. But definitely yeah. I feel like that's the Yeah, I, I, I mean I I don't know. I don't I don't know if anybody would like <laughs> what am I tr- <laughs> what am I trying to say here? I feel like yeah, I, I my ranking is Paul, George, probably also Ringo and John. I, I but I will say that John I've been caring more about lately as well. I mm-hmm. I and I because I, I, I don't know. I, I got annoyed with him when i got into the beatles like as like in my 20s like in my early 20s because i think i thought of the band as such a john band and i didn't really care about paul i think when i didn't really i don't know like once i started like looking at the the mechanics of how that band worked and like how their songs are written and why i think i like their songs like i it felt pretty clear to me that Paul especially in their later career did a lot of the heavy lifting and Mm. and the thing about Paul is like he kind of has like the funniest batting average because he wrote so many of the songs that he did the he has like the best ones and the worst ones where uh like you know it's like he he's known for writing like the dorkier songs I guess and so people might not think to him or like people I know I heard people I've heard people like call his music like a little bit like show tunesy which oh yeah is like he I mean that's a that's a truth like they are it's it's very present on this record yeah oh totally yeah Um, yeah so so I think with like okay so officially getting into this record cool I mean (laughs) we we have we have talked for uh 20 minutes (laughs) <laughs> and uh because of me we didn't get into it yet um so 
yeah, I, I believe I heard this record for like the first time in earnest outside of like probably like too many people or any of the ones that were like on the radio potentially. And it was like, I remember being like, oh, this is way more interesting than I gave it credit for. And then I just never went back to it, you know? And, and so it was like, it was interesting with like picking this as the one. And I was like, oh, it kind of feels like it gives me a reason to go back to it. Mm-hmm. And this time I really liked it, even though there are straight up carnival songs on this album. But I also love that about it. Um, you know? I think it just like hit me in the right place uh, for now. Like I feel like there's probably another version of me that could be like when, uh, like Monkberry Moon Delight. Yeah, or Monkberry comes Moon on Delight. And I'm not in the right mood. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, when you said carnival songs, I, that's what I figured you were talking about. Yeah, which yeah. that song. D- that song, if I if I have any skips on the record, it's that one. Uh, yeah. Which, if I sit down, like if I'm putting that record on, I do intend to listen to it all the way through. Like most, you know, it's like most records that I put on, I like want to like I want to take the journey with the album. But yeah, it's like I I I think that, you know, it's like all my favorite records. I have like, I'm I I feel like it's okay to have like a skip or two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that is, that would be my skip as well. But I also like appreciate how I appreciate that it is so deranged. Yeah. At the same time. Cause it's not, cause it's just, I, I, what I love about this record is that it features every, every voice Paul has it like it like he and has then some. yeah totally like and <laughs> like he really has like yeah i feel like there are there's like the really sweet i mean yeah he has like a really sweet voice like i that i think he's really known for and then he has like you know like, I, don't, I i'm i feel like there are uh more rock and roll he has varying degrees of rock and roll voices yeah but then he has like the Monkberry Moon Delight and like the Helter Skelter voice. Yeah. It's like his, it's like him doing a Leon Russell or something. Like that's all I can think of. Just almost like those, it's like a proto, I mean, Leon Russell, I guess would always be like a proto Tom Waits, you know, it's like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's like who, it's almost one of those things where it's like, I know it's him, but I almost wanted to like look at the credits and be like, who sang this? Yeah. Because it's, it's like, I don't, I can't imagine like going into the studio and be like, "Hey guys, I I'm gonna this is gonna be a little strange, but just give me a little space. I think I can nail this." And then just going like, you know, yeah. just like going into like a character essentially, you know? Yeah, I mean, but I think that's like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Now I'm just imagining the those sessions like yeah. who was in the room who was in the control room hearing him do it but i but i think it's a testament to like that like how much paul puts into it like he is like shameless about everything he does mm-hmm. and yeah like he is he's just giving it his all like whether it's dorky or weird or you don't get it like i think that he especially on this record is going all out um, but I do like the only, I, th- I think the only thing that he's not going all out with or like he, like he's not 
he's not trying to uh, prove that he was the best Beatle or anything. Cause mm-hmm. this is like, you know, it's like right after the Beatles broke yeah. up that he's doing this album. And I think that like the perception, like it was like a flop when it came out. And I think yeah. it's because people wanted a, a conversation about the Beatles. Cause I think John's record, like I, I'm forgetting, I don't actually remember what like the timeline of everything is, but like, you know, it's like, I feel like there are John songs that came out that like, felt like it was continuing the conversation like about their breakup and whatnot. And yeah. I feel like Paul wasn't interested in giving the people what they might've wanted. And instead like he w- wrote a bunch of really fun songs yeah, or, or like most of them are pretty fun and uh, like for his own enjoyment. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, I think he is going all out just because that's who he was and yeah 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 i think it's strange to kind of like i guess like two points it's like i'm on it kind of makes me like hearing a record like this it kind of makes me angry that kind of like i don't know if angry is a strong word um that history kind of like sands over all of these edges Mm -hmm. in like music so growing up I just thought Beatles were like, you know, like kind of the movie Beatles, like the kind of I want to hold your hand thing. And I was like, I don't need that. I have the Ramones, you know, (laughs) but it's like as you get older, you're like, oh, they have all these other things. Even if I don't want every song on White Album all the time, it's like it goes through a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's sort of like as a society, I feel like we get to a point and we remember Paul McCartney in a way like. By the time I got to a point, I think like I remember there being like a, there was like a big direct TV thing of like Paul McCartney in concert, and they were like selling it, and it felt like it was like advertised on every channel. Like he's back, and I was like, I don't. Now looking back, I'm like, I don't know where he went. He still was putting out like two records a year. It felt like, or you know, or like once every two years or something. Like where did Paul go? Uh, but it's interesting. I feel like even at that point, it's like. Paul to me was like, you know, just like Blackbird's guy. Like it was like all of the, but to hear a record like this and then there's just like essentially, I don't know if it's a ukulele, but I think it is on that one song. And it's like, it feels more akin to like a Sebado record Mm -hmm. than it does what I would have in my head when I think of Paul McCartney. That's not what I, this is not what I think of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I his palette in terms of instrumentation on this record is it is very unexpected. I think like there are just sounds that I like. I'm not sure how he would have come up with it because it just doesn't seem like it. Like I don't know who it would have been influenced by. Like yeah. th- like definitely that that song Ram, which has like the ukulele and like the really cool like. I think it's like the Wurlitzer that has like the cool phase on it or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's there's a lot of wild tricks, and it's like funny because like I there like on YouTube there's like a little documentary, like a ten minute documentary on Ram, which I wish there were more. I wish there was more of it, but like and like all he really has to say about it is just like oh like i was in scotland the beatles had just broken up we were on a me and like linda and i were on our farm and 
I, w- I just had my acoustic guitar and just him like, and then there's like photos of him, very cool photos of him wearing a really, really cool outfit, like playing guitar, playing acoustic guitar on his farm. And it's like, how did you come up with all of this? Like just on your acoustic guitar? Yeah. Like this is wild. So, yeah. It's, yeah. I think like one of the things I read was like, went to New York at some point and then essentially, you know, like went back to the farm, like kind of a lot of this record is like New York farm, New York farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like, told people that they were recording like jingles and then got like session musicians and put together some of it, but then like hastily went back to the farm and then kind of like worked on more of it there, like over the holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, and also I think that kind of inclination to call it, I know I, I feel like we remember it more as a Paul McCartney record but I feel like it was like a conscious effort to say Paul and Linda McCartney. Right. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, Linda is so huge on this record. I mean, just her, her, her voice is incredible. And that like, and that kind of uh, makes the sound of the record like it, like the, the, all of Linda's vocals. I mean, her, her voice is so cool and like, I, I, you know, it's like she got so much flack, like in when yeah. she was in Wings, that was like really unfair. And it's like it's no secret that, she, like, she wasn't like a musician going into Wings. Like she was a photographer, and you know, it's like Paul asked her to be in the band, and then everybody, I don't know, I yeah, it's so I don't know. I've I always feel bad about that, but yeah, I think that like. I think that it really was such a collaboration and that's why it has that energy. Yeah. I was thinking about the kind of like Linda of it. And I think I remember like a few years ago, um, it's like, there was like a, I don't know if it was YouTube. I assume so. Uh, where it was like, Oh, Linda's voice isolated, you know? And it's just like, and actually there was, there was some a video I saw today. It was like, uh, listen to this Katy Perry's voice isolated while she's doing like good, Ma- good morning America. And I'm like, I don't, I would never want to hear my voice isolated. I mean, like, it's like, I don't consider myself like a good singer in that way, but like anyone that you isolate their voice, that isn't just like the one in a million. I don't need the Paul wouldn't be that person either. You wouldn't want to hear yeah, that. Yeah. I think, I think with the, isolated vocal things like i'm thinking about her her so she's singing at an like in a in an arena which is gonna have wild sound there are no in-ears at the time mm-hmm. like she probably has like a couple monitors maybe like i don't know it's just like like i i don't know i feel like anytime i hear my voice live like if somebody has posted like a clip I am always horrified at hearing my voice with the band, like with the backing music. I'm still horrified hearing my shows because it's like, you know, it's like, it's hard. It's hard when you're, uh, when you're performing and I don't know, I, but I feel like the only people who get flack for, uh, singing poorly are women and yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's almost like, rhetorical i don't know if that's the right it's like 
these this day and age it's like yes only women get criticized for that and that's like the truth and but it's still so weird it's like it still just happens like i saw it today like i mentioned you know the Katy perry thing and it's like we're not over that as a thing like as far you know this is 1970 so even like the whole run of wings being into the 70s it's like and there's the i've mentioned it on another episode but like the courtney love isolated you know thing oh, and it's right. like just yeah. never never show me anything you did direct off the board that doesn't have some sort of context to like the live band and also like if we think of linda's role in on this album and in wings it's like an accompaniment thing like and it's 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 to boister the live performances to boister you know kind of like the vibe you know and mm. like it's like there wasn't anything that she really even had to be like the best musician but that's not even like the point it's like you know so it's just so strange that that was i remember it being a big thing like people were like haha look at this and it's like well this lady is dead like what are we getting out of this thing like it's just like you can't let her be what she was i know a lot of that it's like we don't have an answer for that as other than uh society really hates women yeah. oh totally so, have yeah. you have you heard like there's like the compilation of linda songs that she sings that like it's like during wings but it's also it's like these kind of fake side projects of wings where linda is, is like mm -hmm. the singer i don't know i i forget i think it's called like wild prairie uh and it's like if you if you're on like yeah it's yeah. really cool like and also just like yeah her voice is so unique it's a it's pretty amazing yeah i was reading a little bit about that i believe that record was kind of like put together when she passed away mm -hmm. uh paul put it together and also i believe one of the things not tied to that specific like compilation record uh was he also he also like promised to like keep the vegetarian businesses running and like donating to those chair charities, you know, for the time. Cause it's interesting to think of them as like such prominent, like early components of vegetarianism mm -hmm. in a way that feels like normal in a sense that I feel like when I was a kid, I remember like vegetarianism would always kind of be like a, a joke. It'd be like somebody, a health food store person that you know mm -hmm. that kind of thing but it's like even though they were celebrities it's like i mean that simpsons episode which i guess was probably like the best pr for vegetarianism totally. at the time you know they're just portrayed as like normal oh, you know totally yeah yeah i think that <laughs> i love that episode uh yeah and i I'll, i love the um yeah, no, I, I that episode is probably how I kind of found out about vegetarianism because I was like in elementary school watching The Simpsons every single night on WB. But um yeah, I uh sorry, I just want I just have to I just have to say this this dumb little fact that I know about that episode because I listened okay. to The Simpsons commentary and mm -hmm. uh if you listen at the end of that episode they're playing uh maybe I'm amazed. And mm -hmm. if you like, if you're listening real closely, you hear all this backwards talking 
and what it actually what that backwards talking is is paul reciting uh a recipe like their recipe for lentil soup but it's backwards <laughs> like i don't know so if you play that if you play that simpsons episode backwards somehow you'll hear paul's recipe for lentil soup yeah i mean that's pretty funny because i feel like the obvious reason is like you know it's like people that satanic panic kind oh, totally. of thing of like yeah uh, you know, and they play around with that so much, but for that to be like a hidden Easter egg for it, um, it's really, really good. Uh, uh-huh. um, you were, you were saying earlier about like how this record wasn't well received and it's interesting. So even like, uh, Robert Criscow of Village Voice, he just simply called it a bad record. He had more to say, but the, the quote was essentially, it's a bad record, you know? And, uh. John Lennon said, I feel sad about Paul's albums. <laughs> like, what's, what's the quote? Um, so, yeah, I mean, this wasn't, I, I think people were kind of like, what is Paul doing? Like, what what is this, you know? Yeah, but it, it's so funny because, like, yeah, it's so funny at the time to think that that was the reaction because you listen to it now and, and it makes more sense. It makes more sense mm-hmm. than it probably did at the time. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that just, you know, I think the probably the vibe around the Beatles was pretty heavy. And then here he is making such a like such like a celebration of music and production and studio. Like it's really. uh, Yeah. And there's like I mean, there is like the one reference to John with uh, uh, too many people like the first track on the album. I guess that's like there's like kind of a slight dig at John. But yeah but that's like really the only thing but i guess i could see people being like yeah just like admiral alzi uh, uncle uh, uncle albert like people not <laughs> getting into that which also like that i song roll that song is awesome though. oh no those, that song is <laughs> so cool but i could imagine considering that that was uh, like I, I think the this album was not represented well by the singles that were released, and I, I mm-hmm. could be so wrong on this, but I know one of the singles that was released around this, like for the album, like you know, it's like in the Beatles fashion where they would release singles that weren't on the record, which is kind of confusing. But like there was another day, which I think is a great song, but doesn't represent the album. And I also, and I think that, uh, Ad, yeah, Uncle Albert was another uh, song that was released as a single, but I, I could be wrong on that. But I don't think those represent the album well. And and in fact, like it's, I don't even know what a good song. I don't either. Like what? Yeah. There's not really a radio song on the record. I also wonder if you kind of, if you use certain songs as singles. Let's say, for instance, because the ones I kind of noted uh, were Smile Away and Eat at Home. So uh-huh. if those were the two singles, then you would be very surprised by the rest of the record mm-hmm. because they're not anything like the rest of the record. Like, because I mentioned Cheap Trick earlier, like, it's like when I listen to Smile Away, I'm like, Cheap Trick owes so yeah. much. And I know they're, they're, they're like, yes, we know. Uh, you know, but even like, you know, eat at home, still being like a big star or even once again, just like a cheap trick kind of thing. So just kind of like seeing where people took these things. So I think this is an interesting album, obviously in like almost simply like that case, it's like, 
almost every track became like its own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's like, and this this idea of being like, I did it with the Beatles. I'm not exclusively doing that anymore. Like, it's that's very ballsy. I feel like it's even with like George was kind of like excising <laughs> so much Beatles stuff that he didn't get to do, which makes sense. It's like mm-hmm. they were that was the trip he was on. Like, I feel like John Lennon, you know, I guess I don't know what, like, what was John Lennon's trip? If we were to suppose that Paul was just like, I want almost nothing to do with this, and this is my way to kind of, like, move forward in a different way, even if people don't like it. And George was like, I never got a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, I don't know, Ringo was like, I don't know, it was fine. <laughs> I'll just go <laughs> do something, you know. Uh, but, like, what do you think, like, John Lennon's? Well, I think, demons were after this i mean i think that i think that john needed the beatles more than anybody um which is like like I, I, maybe a more um current like evaluation of john like kind of with get back and you know it's like given given that there's just like so much information now and like there's like every bootleg like there's so many conversations that we know took place it's like we have a better insight as as to like what his and paul's relationship was that like i mean yeah it's like i i think uh how i i i i i wonder how many months like passed between this album and the beatles breaking up but like probably not many and I mean, just like with all of the Beatles stuff, it's like what we think are years are actually like months and weeks because they just moved on to things, the next thing so quickly that I I think that I think that John was just mad and like he was just upset and probably just so hurt. And I think that, uh, you know, it's like he wasn't done with the Beatles in the sense that like he was kind of you know, he didn't get the satisfaction of leaving the Beatles first, almost. I think that's, like, a big part of, like, I mean, John is so good with PR. Like, Paul is really bad with PR and press and interviews, but John is, John and Yoko are so perfect for it that, Mm. uh, you know, I I think that John kind of, like, it was kind of, I think John's time to kind of spin the story, and I didn't, yeah I, that's sorry that was a lot of talking and no no yeah 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 i i i guess like what i sometimes think about with like because another like high school thing i did was like download john lennon songs like not but uh, not uh beatles songs just like john lennon i was like really into john lennon mm-hmm. for some reason and like maybe i need to revisit john's later work but it's like if feels like some of that ended up just kind of being a lot of like Beatles ballads kind of thing was like what he kind of ended up getting like stuck on and once again I think maybe my memory is smoothing over the edges of it you know so Mm -hmm. I don't want to like discredit it because I think that's like an interesting thing I feel like recently it's like John Lennon is like almost like a easy I was going to say Target. Um, John Lennon is like somebody that I feel like is like a punching bag socially. Yeah, totally. And for 
obvious reasons. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. But it's, 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 I guess then I am like, you're trying to struggle with it because I'm almost, I'm very close to being like an art versus the artist kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's, it's really like, it's like we can't discredit John's contributions to like Solo or Beatles for the benefit of the other Beatles. Like it's it seems to be like an interesting thing where it just kind of then I start feeling bad for John. <laughs> you know, like it's I feel like so many people have ganged up on John recently. I'm about to bring him up on my list that I had earlier. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, I I think that. You know, it's like I, I do I agree. I do think he's pretty easy to he's pretty easy to like make fun of now and he's also not yeah. alive and you know, and like the the bad things that he has done and like is kind of known for like like why people might think he's shitty, like it seems like he's also kind of aware of those things and that's just like I don't know. I I feel like the reality that we live in is that John Lennon wasn't uh, always the good guy. And I feel like, uh, I don't know, like I, I, musically, he's great. You know, it's like he's a better songwriter than probably, I don't know. Like he said, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, actually. Like I I really, I think that John's great. I feel like I have not really given him a shot and i'm now like in recent months i'm realizing that i like a lot of his contributions Mm -hmm. um i I don't really care for a lot of his solo stuff i do i do think it really it doesn't push music forward at all and i'm not saying that i don't think it yeah i don't think it from my recollection i feel like that's what i remember it being like i feel like it's just kind of like very there yeah. You know, and yeah. and there's a lot of music that I probably love that's sort of like, well, it's not really challenging me that much. And that's why I like it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like I don't want to like maybe that's maybe that's the intention of it. But, yes, I don't feel like it moves the needle forward in a way that that was my long wind of kind of comparing them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I feel like Ram, it's really one of those things where it's like, People in 1971 feels like they were not ready for the conversation or the things that it would probably open up like, I don't know, around like 1986 or something. <laughs> you know, it's like time wasn't ready for, you know, for wings or anything. Totally. And, I, and yeah, I mean, there's like always those things where like what would have happened if this happened or this other thing happened. And like, yeah, the to me... uh like I'm not the first person to like draw this comparison, but it Ram to me is so like, Beach Boys, like late sixties, yeah. like early seventies Beach Boys. Um, but a kind of a better version of it. Like I'm I am yeah. I am a big Beach Boys head, but like and I and I almost picked a Beach Boys record for this podcast, but just wanted to talk about Ram, I guess. But I Wh- which one would you have picked? Well that's the thing is I wasn't sure because I realized like I don't there's not one album of theirs that I think is the best and I don't think that like the like I I feel like I I the obvious answer is maybe like pet sounds but I don't care I'm not currently very interested in pet sounds 
I'm, I'm mm. like, I, I don't know why I'm turning on pet sounds right now, but like, I kind of feel like I, <laughs> I kind of am realizing that I don't like Brian Wilson's big arrangements. And I think he's a great songwriter. I think he does amazing things, but he, I think some of his bigger arrangements are creative, but like maybe a little sloppy too, or like unnecessary. And I think mm-hmm. it also like it affects the fidelity of the sound because he's just trying to cram so much into the onto the tape. But I think, yeah, I don't know. And I and I love I love the things that he was cooking up in the in the late sixties with Smile. But like when I revisit Smile, I'm like, these lyrics are not good. These are yeah. these lyrics are objectively bad. Like some of them are cool as hell. A lot of them are really bad and it was just all yeah. and it was also just never finished um but i don't know i probably would have like uh maybe i probably would have just done like sunflower maybe yeah i don't know i'm pretty yeah they they have such an interesting like it just like drops off so harsh yeah on beach boys like and it then it then in a way, I feel like then I become like a fan again because when you get to like the 1990 records that have like fake drums that I don't even think are on streaming, like you have to just look at them on YouTube. Yeah. Are just so insane mm-hmm. that like anyone let it happen. And this is, it's just like Beach Boys have like the wildest drop off for like oh such God. an influential band and this kind of canon, you know, kind of thing that like revolutionized like pop music yeah you know it's just becomes like we 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 like so you know talking about like carnival noises yeah you know what i would have maybe picked sorry i'm still thinking about what i would have picked for beach boys but i i love 15 big ones i think i think it has uh more so like i love it because it's like kind of fascinating like, I mm-hmm. don't really care about their cover of Going to the Chapel. What is that song? I forget the title of that song. But, um, like, the, all, of, all of the covers on that album are pretty deranged and weird. But the original songs on that album are pretty freaking cool. Like, Had to Phone Ya. And mm-hmm. it, uh, uh, It's Okay, I think, is the name of it. Yeah, like, I love... I mean, it's sad. I don't want to say that I like hearing a version of the Beach Boys where Brian is forced to be there, but it is kind of like cool to hear, cool and fascinating to hear what Brian Wilson chooses to do when he's forced to be there, kind of. Like he's right, like he, and all he wants to do is just write like rock and roll that he, like the type of rock and roll that he's been influenced by, but at the same time, like, He's not even really doing that. He's like doing a weird hybrid of of like his I, I, I don't know, just like of the time. Like I don't know, it wasn't the nineteen fifties. What like the songs that he's like trying to do, but he's like trying to s- cover songs from the nineteen fifties. I don't know. It's a really yeah, which, which is also uh, like looking at what year it came out. So okay, so I have it up right here. So 15 big ones, 1976. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chapel of Love was written. Yes. Uh, so recorded by Darlene Love uh, and like uh, uh, Phil Spector, I think, recording. So like, <laughs> it's just like 
covers from 10 years ago. Yeah. A lot of it. I mean, some of it a little bit older than that, but like... Blueberry Hill as well. So, yeah. It's just so... I mean, I know it's like so much kind of changed and we're like culturally stuck in this thing where it's like... But I'm trying to think of like covers from 10 years ago, essentially, if like if there was like a, an artist that recorded that nowadays like how that would be received maybe fine actually <laughs> you know but like it, it's just such a strange kind of thing because it's like 10 what's 10 years you know yeah totally well yeah 10 years was it's just seen, yeah it's like the world changed so fast in those 10 years i mean but uh, yeah. i guess arguably like maybe now it's changed even faster but it feels like yeah. i don't know covers were such a weird thing because they were so normal and i'm not saying that those covers were normal by any means i think those were really funny <laughs> covers to do that nobody really wanted to hear but like i think that the culture around covers nobody really like batted an eye mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah like i'm like trying to think like you would never hear like a current radio uh pop star like cover like that songs from that like first mgmt album i'm thinking i'm trying to think of songs that were from 10 years ago <laughs> and i'm realizing that that mgmt album came out in probably like 20, 2008 so that's not even a mm -hmm. that's not even that's longer that than would be years. like the beginning it'd be like if the years were like from 1955 to like 1966 or something yeah like mgmt is like the first track or it's like <laughs> well like i don't know or like I was thinking like metric or something, but that's probably like even 20 years or so at this point. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I know it like happens, but it's just for it to be like a radio success. I mean, I feel like the last kind of time that I culturally as a little kid, I remember like covers being like such a big thing would have just been like when country stars were kind of like covering like boys to men and stuff like mm -hmm. that like that kind of like trading it back and forth kind of thing right like uh, and then i just don't really feel like covers have been like such a big part i mean i mean this record that we're talking about doesn't you know it's all originals but you know yes culturally covers were just like everything at that point yeah I think the last cover that I can think of that you will probably hear on the radio just as much as like the, and this, I mean, this is like not current at all, but I'm thinking of the Atari's Boys of Summer or like, mm. uh, like the Lemonheads cover of Mrs. Robinson, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. but things like that. Yeah. It's like not, it's, it's weird to do covers now, kind of, to, it's weird to record a cover these days. But also Weezer, I guess, is, did that. But everybody kind of did think that was weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't feel like that made like a. I don't. I don't feel like uh, their cover of Toto Africa really like set the internet ablaze in like a way that I feel like people would have thought about. I don't know. Maybe people during when this Beach Boys record came out, like people were just like, "This is strange." You know, like, but I, I feel like they probably would have just accepted it as, well, at least slightly more normal, you know, given the yeah. context of it. But yeah, Weezer, I mean, it was all like, that's also what's hard for me to kind of like appreciate Weezer in a modern sense. It's like, I don't even know if they are on board with what they're doing. Like, it's like, it feels everything is such a meme 
mm-hmm. that it's it's like I don't even know where you stand. I mean, you did a they did a cover album and then what Van Weezer stuff, and it's like I don't even know where you stand on your whole music, <laughs> like yeah. Well, and I think they just released something now. I love I love that they are still so busy, but mm-hmm. yeah, but it is the type of thing where I don't really care about it. But I, but yeah, I yeah. think, and I, I, I think that they, I think they're just doing what they, I do, I, you know, it's like, they're not the same people that they were when they started the band and they've probably all gotten so weird that this is a true reflection of who they are. Like, I actually think that they maybe are on board with it. Like, I think they're very happy to be Weezer. And I think that they are really like, I think they really enjoy their, their, uh, success quite a bit, but, but yeah, it does feel like they are kind of, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I, I think their choices are weird and deranged because I think they are kind of weird and deranged. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Cause like, I guess the alternative would be. Do we want Weezer? Weezer, I was just going to call him. (laughs) Do we want Rivers to put out like, as well, speaking of uh, Beach Boys, like, uh, you know, like Dennis Wilson's like Pacific Ocean Blue. Yeah. Or something like that. It's like if Rivers came out with that, we're like, oh, no. So it's kind of like what angle do you hit people with? So I guess like the meme part is a little bit better than sort of like it's like when a comedic actor tries to jump to like – uh, drama yeah <laughs> you know it's that's probably a harder kind of like thing to traverse so i guess the you know. yeah i mean i think it's i think it's hard to stay i think it's hard to stay relevant through the years mm-hmm. you know i mean like just bringing this back to paul like yeah. paul's career has been like, I mean, he's had, I mean, I don't, I, I think that, yeah, like his, if you look at his discography, he was releasing two albums a year, whether anybody was listening or not. And uh, it's funny because I don't think he chose the, like, I think he kind of accepted that he was going to be where wherever he was at. Like, I don't think he did many, uh, many I guess memes weren't even a thing, but like he wasn't trying to, I don't feel like he was trying to take MTV by storm or something Mm -hmm. or like play with the medium. I think he was just pretty fine being Paul McCartney and maybe uh, letting, I don't know. I guess he kind of, you know, he, he he had it tough. Also, he like lost Linda. So I'm like, I feel like he just, he lost John. That was probably really confusing for him, mm-hmm. of course. Confusing being the completely wrong word. But, like, I think that, like, the way... I don't think he knew how to stay relevant at all, and I don't even think he tried. I think he just yeah. did what he was going to keep doing, which was just making records. Uh, just... I know it seems... It's really kind of deranged way to put it. It's almost like... <laughs> it's almost like the Beatles were, like, four Macaulay Culkins. And they were just, like, given all of this money, like, too early on. Like, essentially, like, they could almost do... It doesn't really... It almost didn't really matter what they did at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think some of them really played within it. Like, Ringo just gets members from all of 
every band ever to be an all-star band and just mm-hmm. like i know i can fill a room yeah you know like I, I know i can fill a certain sized room so it's sort of like i like going on tour enough that you're in my band now mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you know it's like they all kind of could just kind of fill rooms in their own right and just had like this like currency that always keeps going like it's in the same way it's like macaulay culkin is always going to be macaulay culkin so like it's it's like you can't divorce yourself from that kind of idea so you just kind of work within those parameters which would be really strange because it's like if you were paul mccartney and you're sad i mean i feel like linda would understand it's his wife but who do you complain to Mm -hmm. you know it's like you're a beetle like you it doesn't really matter but it's like but what if you actually because if you listen i mean when you listen to ram it's like this is truly an artistic thing Mm -hmm. like he could easily just put out like easy listening music but he continues i feel like even like have you continued on like with paul's discography like how oh yeah (laughs) yeah Well, it's funny because like he comes out with this album and then he starts Wings and those first few Wings albums weren't like uh like the the Wildlife album I am sad to say I'm not really a fan I wasn't really a fan of. Like mm-hmm. I I think that uh you know, it's like what in Red Red Rose Speed Way. I'm I I feel silly for not knowing the name of that Wings album because I almost I almost like rather than thinking of the words I know it's Speedway but then I always think about just the album cover with the it's just like the rose in his mouth uh, yeah it's just a weird cover it's a great cover it's so funny but like I feel like those were such those are also like kind of duds for like commercial success and i think just like they you know it's like they weren't creative peaks for him Mm -hmm. but uh you know it's like then he comes out with band on the run and that like energizes his appeal again i i feel like uh yeah and within like for what's funny is like it's like we're the peaks and valleys of still four years. It's like, mm-hmm. this is night or three years. This is 1971 when Ram comes out and Band on the Run is 19, actually 1973. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Years. Holy shit. Uh, and Red Rose Speedway is in the same way and in the same year. So funny. So. Unbelievable. I, yeah, that's. Wildlife is also 71 which ram is 71 oh my gosh yeah that's the thing is like he just puts out so much stuff yeah i yeah i i do like i do like wings i will say that after band on the run there are i i feel like i end up skipping tracks with every with every album that comes out afterwards i'm kind of skipping a lot i'm skipping more tracks Except I love Back to the Egg, that last Wings album. That one like has like probably one of his coolest songs, which is just like this short little instrumental that start. I don't know. Uh, there's so many Wings albums. It's so... insane. So like, uh, so by 1978, uh, so 
I mean, yeah, like that's their sixth album, uh, in 1978. Like before we started, I was like, I don't think my band can put out a record every four to five years. But I mean, it's like I know he had these, all these things at his fingertips, and kind of could probably just phone somebody and be like, I want to do a thing. All right, we're doing it. Yeah, totally. That's I mean, he. Yeah, I mean he that he really looked at it as his job. But also, like, more than that, I think that's just, like, that's the only thing he knows how to do, almost. Like, I wonder, like, what, like, you know, yeah, it's like a band will, bands, like, often, like, take a couple years or a few years between releasing things. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, just, he's just always writing constantly. It's just really bizarre. Like, I'm kind of like, what what was, I kind of wonder what his filter was like. Like, was he piling songs that he, like, was he discarding anything or was he releasing everything? That's like, I, I, I would love to talk to like a, a Paul expert to know if he was literally just churning, like releasing every song he wrote. Cause if I released, yeah, I, I wonder, yeah. yeah, if I released every song I wrote, that would be really bad for me. <laughs> um, yeah. I wonder like. What would that person be like? Because I think another issue I always had with like kind of the Beatles fandom is like they can do no wrong (laughs) seems to be kind of the way that like the audiologist would kind of like come at you like the Beatle historian. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, it's like I don't I don't hate it, but there's Monkberry Moon Delight. And then there tends to be those type of songs on like more and more throughout his career from my recollection and then like mm-hmm. even if i if i not that any of this matters because i'm just a guy who does a podcast but it's like wings often had too many parts in their songs there's no reason to have like those many parts like it felt like like on like uh band on the run it feels like that song has like 37 different parts like stops and starts mm-hmm. you know so i wonder who the person would be that would be objective enough to sort of tell you if they if Paul like had kind of like duds or like would throw things away. Like, I don't know. It almost feels like Linda would be the only one that would have told you like, Oh, he writes a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just, just wrote around the clock. Like, yeah. In a, yeah. I don't know. I, and for what, I mean, it, for what, because we're talking about Paul and also everyone's probably going to buy, buy everything Paul and that's cool. But he also could have just gone away. Yeah, and I think we we take that for granted. We take that for granted that a lot of those people could have just stopped doing it, but they chose to keep doing it. And then later, people clown on them for like people for aging and Mm -hmm. like maybe not being like the most current thing anymore. But yeah, it's like it's just cool that people keep doing it. And like Paul is a great example of that. Like just he. You're right. Like you were saying earlier, it's like, where did he go? Like, there's like kind of like the press where it's like, oh, he's back, but he didn't really go anywhere. Like, he was always just doing it. But yeah, he could have just gone away. He, like, I wonder, I feel like I, I imagine that, like, during the pandemic, that was like the, the longest break he ever took from doing anything. Like, and, yeah. and even during the pandemic, he released a record. At least, probably two. He probably released a record 
and a half or something. I want. I, I feel like I want to look and find out because I feel like if you gave that that man like time that he had to sit there and you know and kind of like just sit there with like everything going on like I don't know there might be like four records okay so let's look so so it's hard to tell on Spotify like what's new right Um, okay so that's not new so McCartney 3 well you know he he took it I'll say he took it easy and but if he released a record in 2020 then that means it was already like in motion right so you know yeah he didn't Actually, uh, Paul didn't take the pandemic that well. That's, you know, what I'm saying. Uh, this 81-year-old man. Or, or, <laughs> you're falling off, Paul. He, yeah. yeah. I um, I actually saw him last year. Um, oh, really? I saw him on the Got Back tour. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him, and uh, it was the, like, I, I never spring for tickets that are that expensive and in fact i didn't because my friend got a hookup (laughs) so i got to see paul in person and i kind of didn't ever expect to see him ever like i didn't i I, you know it's just like one of those things where uh it's like i'm so used to hearing somebody's voice in my ears but like i don't really expect them they almost like don't even seem real because i i you know it's like when am i ever gonna get a chance to see paul mccartney if like i'm not rich to buy rich enough to buy tickets so it was a really it was really cool to see it was a really cool surprise to see paul and yeah i mean he my first thought when i saw him is like wow he really looks old but then but it, it like throughout the show like he got so uh like he kind of still is in great shape like at first i was like oh he looks he looks old but by the end of the show i'm like oh he is young he is like he's like moving around and also this concert has been like i've been here for three hours watching yeah (laughs) and like yeah it's like whenever yeah three hours three hours and not a single deep cut like he only played the songs that he that were his big songs and he just has too many big songs yeah it's yeah it's like when i when i see people go see like bruce springsteen it's Mm. like oh it's four hours long you know and it's like he doesn't have to do that no like it's like he can just retire to doing podcasts with barack obama like it's like (laughs) these people don't have to do this but but that's what's interesting though and it's like not even to their discredit that there's a compulsion mm-hmm. like it's like i feel like i have to convince myself to write or like and, and it's i come back to wanting to but it's like there's no reason why he has to like he's like knighted he's like maybe i assume a close to a billionaire or something you know or just very rich he doesn't have to but it's like he has this compulsion even at 81 to like do three hour long concerts i mean it's that's that's wild. I mean, it's like when people talk about like, uh, well, why are Rolling Stones still doing it? And I'm like, I guess just a compulsion. Like they can't mm-hmm. stop doing it. Like because they clearly don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they don't. They don't have to. But that's just what they do. And that is kind of like, I do. I do kind of think 
Paul, on some level, probably looks at it as like what he owes his fans. Because uh, I think it must be real. I think it must be really confusing to be Paul McCartney. Just on on every single level, but I do think it. It I I imagine like being like, oh well, like I like the, it's the least I could do is like go on the road and do all this stuff, even though it is like, you know, it's like it's that's quite a bit. But I, you know, it's like I think that's all he knows how to do and he knows that it means a lot. And I think the reason why he doesn't play a single deep cut is because uh, like he, he is trying, like, I think he's trying, he's not even like trying to like aim at the beetle heads. Like he's trying to like aim at like the average person in a way that he knows that like not everybody is going to be ahead, but like they might like completely like break down and like freak out if they hear like uh like let it be or something like that yeah like or even i feel like yeah it's like i remember from that pay-per-view as a kid it was like when it was like on the commercial it's like when he starts playing like back in the ussr mm. it's like then it's like ah! you know it's like like i don't know it's like yeah it's so strange because it's I feel like there's so many instances of artists going into their bag of like reuniting their other band, which would have been basically impossible. But I mean, how many people with the who are still around? Mm -hmm. I, I always had this idea. I'm like, I don't understand just on like, just looking at dollar amounts. Why didn't Ringo, <laughs> why didn't Ringo and Paul ever do like a, like uh, like a series of tribute concert tours you know like uh, the answer is they didn't need to um but it it seems like that's the normal thing for artists to do when they get of a certain age yeah i mean i guess it's just because they don't do anything they don't want to do which is like funny it's like aren't like like yeah like i would imagine that they're friends but you know it's like maybe they're yeah like their lives are just so different or maybe like maybe there's a level of like they don't want to compete with the other person like they mm -hmm. maybe they want both want to be the star in in some way yeah. which is like yeah like they, they they don't want to they don't want to give up the you know because yeah if if paul and ringo go on tour one i don't think ringo wants to play drums anymore <laughs> and <laughs> and so it's like I think that is probably a huge part of it, actually. I never really, mm -hmm. it never occurred to me. It's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't want to do drums. Like, he yeah, wants. I think he likes making little drum cameos. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Because all of the all star band things always, like, had a drummer. Yeah. So I feel like there's, like, a section in the show that will have Ringo doing, like, a thing, but it's, like, it's Ringo's show, you know? But it's, like, I'll show you for a second to remind you that I do play drums, but, you know. Yeah, and it's yeah. funny because he is an incredible drummer, but it's like he just reached a certain point where he didn't want to do it, I guess. I don't know. It's so funny to think about. Yeah. Well, I guess, like, since I've kept you so long, just thinking of the hard. Okay, so the hard thing with really anything Beatles yeah, related tangentially, yeah. it's like this could go on forever because there's so many different, like, what ifs. You know, the what if that I even, like, 
well, I'll bring it up quickly. <laughs> you know, just even thinking about, because we were talking about the, how people will criticize, you know, like Linda and stuff. When that video was being shared around pretty recently of like Yoko just screaming during, while Chuck Berry was looking. Mm-hmm. I thought it ruled. Oh, it does. Like, I thought it was awesome sounding. It is so I cool. I would be like, if I were to critique it some, I'd be like, I don't know if you need to scream the whole time, but I thought the scream was like really well placed in the song. Uh, so I'm just like, I don't know, just let Yoko be Yoko. Like, I don't, you know, I mean. Yeah, no, I, I love. <laughs> it was awesome. I love Yoko's music in general. I mean, like there, are, yeah, uh, yeah, there's like a the Yoko song, if only I like come back to all of the time. Like I think her solo stuff is really cool. But it's funny cuz her solo stuff like like yeah, I <laughs> it's funny that like in collaborative moments she'll scream and do like do something like super cool and freaky. But yeah, but like her solo music is like pretty tame and like very like I don't want to say that it's like not uh like daring or something but it's very much like it's like very cool vibey music uh mm-hmm. but yeah i lo- i do love that video of of it's so good yeah uh but yeah, uh, yeah I, okay so like thinking about like your own music do you feel like this record has like any kind of direct connection to like how you think about songwriting or have in the you know in i guess in present years or so completely i um as soon as I heard this record, I was so floored by it. And it really, it really showed me, it it taught me a lot. Like the, yeah, because I heard it, first heard it in 2013. And then I was kind of like already making a record at that point, And there wasn't really any way that I could change the direction of it. But the record after that is very much like directly... Uh, like the diners album three is directly inspired by ram because like it like especially like the production and that's like kind of the the biggest thing is like the production on ram like if like i remember i there was a time when i was like kind of um there was like a period of time where like i just wasn't really sleeping well ever and so i would just stay up and like listen to records and a practice that i got into um was I would listen in headphones to every cool thing I heard on the record and that would be like it would be something as like like if uh, a cool vocal effect happened I would write it down and I'd even like write down the time that it happened or like if there was a cool key change or if there was uh just like anything cool like even if it was just like a cool uh guitar thing like didn't it didn't necessarily need to be production but if there was something that happened that would go that I that I got a reaction from that I was like wow how did like I wouldn't have thought to do that I wrote it down um mm-hmm. like in a very boneheaded way if like like if oh if that sound is cool I'm gonna write it down and it took so long to write down everything with this album and if this yeah. was the album that actually got me into that practice because there's so much candy in the best way. Like, there's nourishing candy in a way. I feel like the type of ear candy that, in like the production on this record, is so rich 
and there is some flash to it, but it's also like so nourishing and it really is, uh, it's not for show. It's like, it feel it, everything about it feels necessary. Like there are such huge arrangements, but then there are also like, there, like are, there are big arrangements with the, with like, you know, it's like the, I, there's like, there are orchestras on this record, but there are also just like weird studio things. Like at the end of uh, Three Legs, there's like a really wild echo that happens on the entire mix, just like at the very last section of the song. Like out of nowhere, like there is just a, all of a sudden, like there is just like this uh, slap this uh uh slap echo that is like on the entire track and it's only in the right channel and you don't really notice it but when you but once you do it is the coolest thing and it's like wow this was kind of that was i guess that's an example of something that's not super necessary but like that is like such cool uh production to me just little things like that I don't know. Yeah, I feel like the first time kind of going through it again for this, I was like, this makes me want to write another record, <laughs> which yeah. I don't feel like I felt like I like uh, in the middle of like recording a full length. And usually I just you want far away from it. But I was like, oh, it'd be so interesting to kind of approach a thing less preciously, mm-hmm. which I mean, I th- I think that's kind of like the vibe here is like it's not it's not that like there's there's not like bad songs on this record like even like monkberry moon delight like i feel like it's fun you know and it feels like it's one of those things where i feel like there's this thing where where i'm writing songs like oh does it fit with the other one will it fit together how does this fit together Mm. and it's like this doesn't seem to have that care you know of that way of like not necessarily it has care but it doesn't have the care of like how these pieces fit together we'll kind of we'll figure out how it all goes together uh, it's such like an interesting thing that's like, oh, I can just kind of like change my vibe <laughs> on the next song if I want. Yeah, I don't have to. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. I and I think that that is like there is kind of a thing where it's like, and like and yeah, that that this this record inspired me in that same way where I did kind of realize I was like, okay, well, I could just write all of the songs that I want to write, and I could do. Like, I don't need them to sound, I like, I don't need them to fit in the same universe, but, like, or, or like, I don't need them to, um, I don't need to worry about them fitting together because I just have to trust that my voice and my songwriting mm-hmm. tendencies will make that cohesive, like, and just make it work and, like, bring it to the same place. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think a lot of times people will tell me things like, oh, well, I have to cut it because it doesn't sound exactly like me. And like, I, from listening to one song to another, like when my friends tell me this, I'm like, I'm telling you, you have a certain way of writing a song. So it's like, it's not going to sound as different as you think, unless for some reason you're just playing polka. But I doubt it. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, it's like for the most part, you're kind of who you are. And this is even like a way more adventurous version of that. But for the most part, it's like if I feel that way, I'm like I, it might not technically be true. It just feels that way because it's not like pulling on your kind of regular tricks. Like I don't, I don't have to be like alt rock guy all the time, mm-hmm. you know. Like, it, but it's still probably not going to sound worlds away to somebody listening to one song to the next. 
you know. No, I th- I think it gives I think it gives album albums range. I mean, honestly, the only like the only critique that I have because I kind of try I per I, I wouldn't say that I purposely tried to have like an eclectic sounding record, but really the only thing that got confusing was something that we kind of touched on earlier, which is kind of like, oh, what song represents the album? Because if they all kind of yeah. sound different, it's like it's really about the big picture rather than rather than the singles, which, you know, it's like you're in a band, too. It's really it's kind of like knowing what your singles are is a little bit necessary these days. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, if you know, it's not not totally. You don't have to pay super close attention to it. But like, you know, that's like the 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 general idea when you release a record is like, oh, you want to you want to release some of the songs early. It's like, okay, well, what are the songs that are going to entice people to listen to the whole thing? And if you have a super eclectic record, it's like, oh no, like, I don't know what to do. Cause I can't, I don't, there's no way to like do that when you have an eclectic record. So yeah, like this, this record really is like challenging people to kind of take it as one thing, not like break it apart. Yeah. that we're definitely tend to do now or also would have done then with like radio singles and actual singles and things like that. So this is really just like, this is my arts and crafts and I want you to like take it as it is, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, so, I mean, like even like going with once again with like your, your current music, like, so you're currently recording a new record Well, I, I... now or new songs. I I finished a record and I'm waiting to release it. I have I oh. I like don't have the album artwork and stuff oh. ready. Like I I kind of uh like it's it's done and I just have to do all of the the things you got to do in order to release it. But yeah, so it, I mean I'm I'm sitting on it. So I'm currently I'm like post album writing songs which always feels like um you're kind of like starting from scratch. So I'm in Yeah. It it's so interesting though because it's like <laughs> in my recollection and even it's like well, I mean, I'm looking at it and it's like you just put out a record, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, last year last year I released a record and this year I'm going to release another one. But uh yeah, the, I mean I think that the you know i definitely like it's definitely looking at paul mccartney's output mm-hmm. is kind of like a thing where it's like watching get back i kind of realized like oh you can just try to write as many songs as you possibly can and there's no reason why you shouldn't just try to get it done sooner than later which is like you know, it's like I, I, I was really for I am currently still very fortunate where, you know, it's like life has like it's you know, it's like I haven't had a whole lot of restrictions on playing music lately. Like, you know, it's like I've, I've been doing pretty well. And uh, thankfully, like, you know, it's like I know not everybody is in a position to play guitar for like several hours a day. But um I don't know. I, I, I am, that's where I'm at and I'm 
absolutely eating up every moment I get because I know that life comes at you really quick. So I'm, I, I feel like, yeah, it's like, it just does feel like my duty on this lifetime to write as many songs as I can. And I think the records that I was making in the past were really, I was taking so long to record them. Yeah. If you look online at the diner's discography, there are years in between those old like the first record and the next record and the record after that and the record after that and I was really being so precious about the mixing and the recording and the writing of of it all and I am in a place where I want to be less precious with it and so the record that I recorded last year that will come out this year we recorded in three days and it's that's the quickest that I've worked on like a full live rock band type sound like it's not it's not like it's the songs are really stripped down it's like uh, we just tried to record it as quickly as possible and I think because of that it feels great and you know it's like that's a sound but I think from here on out like rather than be really precious about 10 songs I want to I want to release a hundred like if I can yeah as quickly yeah, as possible interesting. yeah I think it's like it is really like one of those things where it's like I if a muscle kind of thing like if you just keep kind of like flexing it you know uh I think it's interesting to kind of like the more I write songs like if I'm actually sitting down and writing them it demystifies it because like if I take a while between writing the songs I'm like I'll never write another song again I'll never find the time mm-hmm. but it's like kind of find, carving the time and kind of like telling yourself like in looking at songs and being like, wait, that's all that song really is. It's just that kind of piece repeating, mm-hmm. you know, and then that guy goes, you know, sparkle something over there. Like kind of being able to kind of remind yourself is like something that's hard. And I don't know if I'll stick with it, but I think it's like such an important thing to do because we can make it as, hard as we want to and it doesn't have to be if we don't want it to be right definitely (laughs) yeah i think it's i think when uh yeah i don't know i think i think bands like like when you're when you're a songwriter and when you're working with a band like i think there are times where it kind of fluctuates where like i do think there are just like creative strides and then there are times where you really have to work for it or it's like you know, it's like I wish every song would come to me in 15 minutes. Like, it, you know, there are songs that have come to me in 15 minutes, and I cherish those like gifts from the universe because not every song comes to me that easily. And I, I oftentimes feel like I am really working for this song to be finished. And I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I really, I feel like there are, there are times where songwriting comes easy and there are times where it doesn't come easy, but like it kind of, I, I do believe I have the belief that if I clock in the hours and if I'm consistent with it, I will keep the rust off enough to like always be in a flow of songwriting. Welcome back. Thanks so much to blue for coming on the pod. Check out the newest diners album four wheels on the truth and stay tuned for even more diners releases in the not so distant future. Okay. Next time we're joined again by my sometimes co-host Sarah Blumenthal. 
You can check her out every week if you subscribe to the Patreon, or on the main feed every five episodes if you must wait. We'll be chatting about Ignite's album Our Darkest Days, so stay tuned for that next time. Once again, check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash pod. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at spinningoutpod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, and reviews definitely help. Thanks, as always, to Sarah for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week.